Okay, so we're going through Acts. Today we're reading uh, chapter 15 uh, through to some of 18. It's Paul's second missionary journey. Paul went on three missionary journeys and then almost a fourth one while he was taken to Rome to uh, go to court and be heard by Caesar. So three different missionary journeys. This is the second one starting in Acts chapter 15. If you want to turn your Bibles or the words will be up on the screen so you can follow. And um, Acts is a unique book. Acts is a link or a transition book between Jesus and the Gospels and all the epistles on Christian living and, and uh, doctrine in the rest of the New Testament. It's a, it's a link. Jesus never started churches or did anything like that. This is, Acts is the foundation of churches, the building of the church and a lot of change. And when a lot of change happens, often we're not comfortable with change and all sorts of dramas happen, great uh, dramas and great blessings. So let's um, uh, start. Alison wants to just introduce it um, another way as we start at Acts chapter 15, <laughs> verse 36, if you want to follow your Bibles. Yeah, so I was just going to say um, what an amazing call from God that um, Paul had on the road to Damascus um, and he answered that call and he was faithful to the Lord through thick and thin as we'll see more of and God is still calling people today both to missionary service overseas and right where we are. Uh, last week we were privileged to have John and Janet Mitchell with us and John shared with us from the front here. Um, they were called to take the gospel to a very remote and difficult part of Papua New Guinea they have served God faithfully there for 14 years so far and they're going back again hopefully in June. They have, are the only white people on an island where there are no shops, no entertainment, just the call of God on their lives and his love for the people there that need Jesus. And I'm wearing a top today with the, their family um, motto or emblem or whatever you'd call it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there. <laughs> right there, the green one. Four J's for Jesus. John, Janet, Jacinta and Josie. Anyway, so now let's read some more about Paul's um, missionary journey. We're starting in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And just to set the scene, Paul took Barnabas with him and they went on the first missionary journey and um, um, they came back to Antioch where they, where they lived there was some people who came up from Jerusalem and caused a fuss because they said to be a Christian you had to be circumcised. And so Paul and Barnabas went down to Jerusalem and sorted it out and settled the matter there and said, no, they don't, to be a Christian don't, you don't have to do any ritual. It's all faith and belief in Jesus Christ. So they came back and then we go from there. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the churches all along the towns where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, here we have a very sad story of two men who were close brothers in the Lord and close friends falling out in a very, very sharp dispute. And it's sad um, to see. And, but the book of Acts is um, 
It's a record it's the, of the acts of the apostle. That's why it's called Acts. It's what the apostles did. It takes in the good and the bad and, uh, and everything in between. So Acts is not a book of, of perfection. It tells us what the story was, the, the mistakes, the good things, the bad things, and it doesn't gloss over the, uh, mm. the dramas in life. Mm. Back to you, Alison. Mm. Um, so Paul and Silas went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Acts 16. He came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Now, this town of Lystra, Paul had been there before in his, in his first missionary journey, and um, it was so bad, the locals got hold of Paul and they took him outside the city and they stoned him and they thought he was dead. Mm. But Paul survived and got up and went back in the city and then took off to the next town. Now, if that was me, I wouldn't want to go back to Lystra. <laughs> I'd be scared for my life. Mm. But Paul was a bold fella and he wanted to see how the Christians were doing. So he said, let's go. And, and uh, um, back they went to uh, Lystra. Now, now even though he nearly lost his life there, a great blessing came out of Lystra for Paul. The best thing that ever came out of Lystra was Timothy. He was a great mm. uh, companion and traveling uh, partner with Paul, and we read a lot about Timothy. Good things, mm. hard times, but blessings. Verse three, so Paul wanted to take Timothy along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Um, just a note there, it says Paul and his companions. We often think Paul goes off on his missionary journey, um, this time with Silas, um, but they're always um, travelling in a group. There are more that often don't get mentioned, and presumably for safety reasons, um, there were good roads that the Romans had built so they could go anywhere the, in the, those days. The world had opened up to them, mm. but um, uh, they needed... Uh, for safety reasons to travel in the group. So this time there was, there was Paul, there was Silas, Timothy went with them from Lystra, uh, Luke, Dr Luke uh, was travelling with them as well and he was recording the events um, as they went. Mm. Um, now the second thing to, to uh, mention here is God's Spirit's leading. They tried to, they just went from town to town. Paul tried to go into Bithynia and Domitia mm. which is right on the north of uh, Turkey near the Black Sea but God's Spirit said no prevented them uh, we don't know how that happened it's not recorded um, but uh, Asia was the third one but later on Paul as part of his missionary journey went through Asia the timing wasn't right the mm. Lord's Spirit was just directing sometimes the answer is no sometimes the answer is yes um, sometimes the Lord says wait the time is not right mm. and um, I just want to encourage each one of us to be open to God's Spirit's leading. Now, 
God's Spirit leads in all sorts of ways, sometimes through circumstance, sometimes through His Word, sometimes just through a check in our own spirit. We just feel, oh, oh, is this right? Am I, am I to hold back here? Or do I have a rise in my spirit? Is this way, is this way ahead that I'm choosing? It seems to be the right way to go. So let me encourage you to be in tune with God's spirit and, and to realise his convicting in our hearts. Verse 8. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him. Come over to Macedonia and help us, please. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia and we stayed there several days. Um, at this point, Paul and his, his travelling group have sailed, have left Turkey where they were and they've sailed across the Aegean Sea and they've gone to a new continent, the continent of Europe. So they've gone to the country of Greece and this is a new, a new thing. Um, it took them a couple of days to sail across on a boat and um, that was another one of the perils of travel. Shipping in those days was, went with the wind. If the wind didn't blow, they didn't go. If it blew too hard, they, they hit the rocks or got in a storm. And uh, is um, Pat, yeah, Pat Davis is with us this morning. Pat's sailed all down through the Aegean Sea into all these ports following Paul's missionary journey. And I wish I was you, I would like to do that one day. Yeah, yeah, on the bucket list. Okay, so they're now in Greece, uh, in a different continent in Europe. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, guess what? She, this woman Lydia, she was the first European convert, the first Christian, the first person to become a Christian in Europe. Um, and that's an exciting thing because Jesus said before he died, and before he, or before he, not after he died, before he left to go back to heaven, he said, I want, to, uh, I want you, you, my disciples, to preach the gospel in, first of all, in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, to the enemy, the people you don't get on with, and to the all the rest of the parts mm. of the world. And this is happening, we can see it happening. Now here, here we, the Christianity has now jumped into another continent, mm. in, into Greece. Verse 15. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for the, her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realised that their hope of making money was gone, 
They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or even practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Um, just four things to note here. Um, one, it's an angry crowd that's stirring up the situation. It's the, it's the angry, chanting crowd. They did it to Jesus and it resulted in his death. And now they, they're doing it to Paul. They did it repeatedly to Paul. An angry mob comes out and, and starts stirring up trouble. We demand this. We have rights, blah, blah, blah. Um, so beware of the angry mob because the angry mob is around today. Now, the second thing is Paul and Silas were, had been severely whipped and flogged and uh, thrown into a, probably a rat-infested prison with open wounds in terrible pain. They weren't just happily singing hymns to God. They were in pain. They'd been whipped severely, not just given one or two lashes, and uh, they were suffering. And they'd been chained up in a, in a cell. The, the authorities said, look, guard these men. I'm not sure whether they heard that Peter and others had escaped from prison, so... Uh, so the, the jailer said, okay, you put them right inside the inner cell, maybe in solitary confinement, I'm not sure, with all their pains and dramas, yet at midnight they're awake and singing and praying to God and worshipping him. And the other prisoners were all listening, and maybe the jailer was. What a witness. Mm. Could I have done that? I'm not sure if I could. A great witness. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Um, something amazing is, is happening here. Um, the jailer is, is, has been ordered to look after these fellows and guard them well, so he did. He threw them into the inner cell and, and chained them up as well in stock so they couldn't, ex couldn't escape. But now this big drama has happened uh, and he's in fear of his life because he'll, he'll lose his life if he loses the prisoners they'll execute him. But he knows, he knows where to turn to when he's in trouble. He recognises that God is at work here. And the same thing happened when Jesus was dying on the cross. There was a Roman centurion who uh, was guarding there and just watching, and then a, a similar earthquake erupted and happened. And he looked up at Jesus and said, surely this was the Son of God. And he knew that God was at work. Verse 33. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately 
he and all his family were baptised right in the middle of the night. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order. Release those men. The jailer told Paul. The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No way. Let them come here themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. They went with the brothers and encouraged them. Remember, Paul and Silas had been whipped badly. They're in great pain. They'd been up all night, singing praises at midnight. Then they went through an earthquake, and then they preached the gospel. And now they had to leave the city and walk for I don't know how many hours. And they went to Lydia's house to get some Panadol and to have a sleep and to get some encouragement and to be comforted. No, they were the ones encouraging the believers, the new believers, not looking for comfort themselves. Isn't that, isn't that a great testimony? Wonderful. Acts chapter 17. When they had passed through Amphip Amphipolis, and you might have trouble with that one, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Here's another example of the angry mob demanding their rights and causing trouble. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have come here now, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there's another king, someone called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I like the Bereans. They didn't just accept what they heard. They went to the Old Testament scrolls and opened them up and checked it out and said, wow, Paul's right, that is, that is uh, all written there. And I want to encourage you uh, to don't believe all you hear that's preached. 
on a platform or on TV or wherever, um, have your spiritual radar going and compare it to the Word of God. Believe all you, you hear and read in the Word of God. That's what our basis is. So, so you know, I've always got my antenna going. I thought, oh, is that true? I'll just look up, check it out and see if it's right or not. Just compare everything with the Word of God. That's our, that's our basis for truth. It is. Verse 12. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, ah, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating some foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meet meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we won't want to know what they really mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I'm sure they would have spent many hours on Facebook if it was available. <laughs> Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at all your objects of worship, or idols, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God that made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heavens and earth. And he does not live in temples built by hands, and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he, gives him, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he has made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this, God, sorry, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live we go about a daily life, we move and we have our being. And as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or any image ma made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men 
by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, you know, like all the Facebook trolls. But others said, Hmm, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. I guess Silas and Timothy did the work for him while he could preach. <laughs> but when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of any responsibility, my responsibility. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptised. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid, Paul. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or a serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatever. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sencrea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. So Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy are finally home. It was a long, arduous journey that took them, how long was it, Paul? About three years? I don't, didn't look it up. He stayed for a, a year and a half in uh, Corinth. It was a long, long time on the road. And that's a lot of a lot of travel. 
in those days you either walked or you went on a donkey in a cart or you sailed in an old sailing ship and just took your luck with the winds. So it was pretty arduous. So uh, three years on the road, he's back home. So as we conclude, I'd just like to share a short testimony that refers to one of the verses that Paul used as he spoke to the group in Athens. It's found in Acts 17, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. Uh, last Wednesday marked 27 years since our son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 6. It was a big shock and as I walked down the hospital corridors I felt alone. I asked God, where are you in all this, Lord? Where are you in these cold corridors? And he brought that verse clearly to my mind. In him we live and move and have our being. I knew God was with me walking down that hospital corridor and in the situation I found myself in. Our son now has a number of complications from his disease, including eye, heart and mobility problems and lately a very painful frozen shoulder. On Tuesday, as I drove him home from yet another eye treatment, he said to me that he wouldn't want a lot of money spent on his coffin and told me the song he'd like to play it at his funeral. Now, hopefully, he will live to at least 50, as he would like. However, he knows he will be with Christ when he dies, whenever that is, and I think he's actually quite looking forward to that. He says that I worry about him a lot more than he worries about himself. But my peace still comes from knowing God's presence and perfect will. In him we live and move and have our being. What, whatever, wherever you are today, whatever is in your heart, whatever trials you're going through, please remember God is always with us. In him we live and move and have our being. Praise God. Thanks, Paul.